Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created this show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. The proverb, the eyes are the window to the soul, have been attributed to William Shakespeare, Leonardo da Vinci, Roman philosopher Cicero, and even in the Bible. In Matthew, the light of the body is the eye, or the eye is the lamp of the body. Also in Proverbs in the Bible, it instructs us to look into the eye because you can tell a lot about what is going on in the soul and the spirit of a man. Psychologists have proven that our eyes are not just a window, but rather a reflection of our state of mind, providing a strong signal of our emotional state. In fact, two researchers, Lee and Anderson of Cornell University, wanted to understand how our expressions came to communicate so many complex emotions and mental states. Both Lee and Anderson postulated that the action of opening our eyes wide in order to boost visual sensitivity and squinting our eyes to increase visual acuity not only originated for optical purposes, but also for social purposes as well. Their hypotheses proved right. After 600 trials with each of their participants matching a picture of eyes with a mental state term like anger, joy, or fear, they soon discovered that the narrowing and the widening of the eye alone explained a majority of expressions in social communication. Their second study showed that the eyes provide equally as strong emotional signals when they are embedded in the context of the whole face, even when the lower face may not be indicating the same expression. They concluded that our eyes convey our complex mental states the most. Our eyes allow for processing the world around us, even the way in which we receive and process light through our pupillary light response. Our pupils will get smaller in the light and larger in the dark. Our autonomic nervous system also prepares us for any threats and dilates our pupils when there is danger or when we are sexually aroused or interested in something. Whereas if we are not remotely interested in doing something, our pupils get very tiny. Essentially, psychologists consider pupil size in terms of two functions of vision, exploration and exploitation. When we are in a state of exploration, we are taking everything in. So our pupils will expand to grasp it all. When we are in a state of exploitation, we need to examine something in detail, and our visual acuity becomes more important. Eastern medicine and philosophies have relied heavily upon studying the eyes to not only reveal more about one's physical health, but also one's mental, emotional, and spiritual health as well. In ancient Chinese medicine, the eyes are associated with the liver. In fact, the liver meridian, also called opens to the eyes, is the primary meridian that is responsible for healthy vision. If there is an eye disorder, not only may there be an imbalance in the liver, but also there is said to be unprocessed anger. Approximately 300,000 nerves from various parts of the body make their way into the optic nerve, which is why an overall assessment of systemic activity can be made visible in the iris of the eye. Iridology is the study of patterns, colors, and markings of the eye to determine information about a patient's overall health. It is based on the belief that every organ in the human body has a corresponding region in the iris and was first recorded in the 17th century by Hungarian doctor, Dr. Ignaz von Pexley. Humans are a complex walking social and physical ecosystem. Our survival depends on how we can best adapt to everyday change whether social, economic, chemical, or physical. We are also products of our ancestors, and we can be largely set up to adapt or fail in certain situations or environments just through inherent genes. In fact, science has proven that many biological factors that affect how our genes are expressed can be passed down through multiple generations, whether mental, emotional, or physical, and leave unique epigenetic signatures. Ancestral trauma, or generational trauma, was first recognized through psychiatrist Vivian M. Rakoff's study of children of Holocaust survivors, which found higher levels of childhood trauma, increased levels of PTSD, 
and other psychiatric disorders present among these children. Fortunately, much of our ancestral trauma can be resolved in our lifetime just by recognizing where it came from. In addition, many of the genetic disorders or diseases can be more easily addressed through our advancement in medicine and technology. Not all that gets passed down from our ancestors, however, is bad. We also receive their gifts, their talents, their strengths, and their qualities that help them to not only adapt, but also perhaps succeed in the world they lived in. Today on Love from the Hip, it is my absolute pleasure to have Amy Gillespie Doherty on my show. Amy is an ancestral eye reader, founder of Irogenics, and author of the Ancestors Within book series. Amy will share her wisdom on ancestral eye readings, how and why our ancestors show up in our eyes, and what we can do with that information. So stick around because there's more than meets the eyes. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at esteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Is your tween starting to experience a change in their skin? Want to get them on an easy at-home routine and have good skin hygiene? Allow Sakura Skin and Mind to help your tween out. This brief, deep cleansing and educational 35-minute facial is just enough to get your tween, ages 10 to 12 years old, started off in the right direction. Sakura Skin and Mind uses the latest in the clinical skincare industry to care for your tween the right way. Sakura Skin and Mind, treating skin out there with an ounce of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Amy Gillespie Doherty on my show. Amy is an ancestral eye reader, founder of Irogenics, and author of the Ancestors Within book series. Hey, Amy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and as my producer said, you're in the other Washington. <laughs> I am in the other Washington on the East Coast. Nice. All right. So how long have you been an ancestral eye reader? I began studying uh, different methods of reading eyes back in 2010 and went through a number of different uh, methodologies and started creating ancestral eye reading in about 2015 and took the name Irogenics or Irogenics in 2018. Okay. And well, and what made you want to learn about ancestral eye reading in the first place? You know, I wasn't actually looking for ancestral eye reading in the beginning. I was taking a course on conscious language and how our subconscious comes through in our in our conversations and the words we choose. 
And the man who was teaching it did something called bio-optic holography, looking at the seven layers of the eyes. And I thought, well, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my first eye reading and I just, is I, I went and I trained with him and trained with a few more people. And I finally got to about the fifth person and they were working with grandparents and great grandparents. And I realized the piece of information that had been missing all that time had finally been found. Mm. For me, it was looking at those epigenetic patterns that you were talking about earlier and how they show up in the eyes and how we can even map them. Okay. And now is that how you would define what ancestral re eye reading is? That's the greater part of it. The greater part of it is looking at the treasure map our ancestors left us. So the eyes are the only part of our body that is full size when we're born. Everything else grows, our brain, our skin, um, everything else except for our eyes grows as we grow from infancy to adulthood. But there seems to be a beautiful treasure map in our irises that shows us so many aspects of what our ancestors had going on for gifts, abilities, trials, and traumas. It's kind of like our own personal evolutionary map, mm. like the things that triggered or gave our ancestors trauma will show up in our eyes as something that is going to hit our trigger just a little bit more than maybe the person next to us. Okay. And how is it different from iridology? So iridology looks at health. It looks at imbalances in the body from a physical standpoint. But iridology is also changing. From the time it was first developed, it is now moving more into things such as behavioral iridology and spiritual iridology. And so it is starting to kind of shift as we're learning more and more about human physiology. But iridology does still primarily look at health and imbalances, whereas I'm looking more at what's available for expression during mm -hmm. our lifetime, okay. the gifts that we were born with, as well as those traumas that are available for healing. And so that's why you can have two siblings who have two very different experiences where they have two very different perspectives, even though they have the same parents and grew up in the same house. They're simply wired to different ancestors based on their birth order. Hmm, fascinating. And you were working with children as well. So how did the ancestral eye reading play into that? Yes, I was doing survival skills training for children in Africa and then in Central America. And when I got back to the U.S., I wanted to continue working with children here. And I thought, well, what's, what's killing American kids? And my experience was self-destructive behaviors and suicide patterns. And that's what led me to that first class on conscious language and how our self-conscious speaks through us uh, as I was developing an empowerment program for kids. And so what I find is there are children out there who oftentimes, based on some different ancestral imprints that they have, maybe just can't hear the words, I love you. And so it's a really challenging time for a parent and child as there's sort of this kind of headbutting between them and the child is just having trouble receiving, you know, receiving that loving imprint from their family because of some traumas that maybe went on back in the family line. Mm, that's so interesting. So you had mentioned a map and that we have this treasure map, if you will. And this is composed of the images, right, of our ancestors. But can the images of our ancestors change throughout our lives or are they in layers and we are only able to see what might be relevant to us in the current time? Is that how it works? You said that very well. There's seven layers to the irises and the eyes. And so some people have fiber separations where it's almost like a flower petal, like you could look down into the layers. And then other people have a very smooth surface with maybe light freckles and spots on there. So everyone has ancestral images in their eyes. If you take a macro photograph, and especially if you side light it, bringing the light in from the temple from the side, you'll see a number of images in their eyes. People with whatever clothing or hairstyle, whatever they were doing in their day. And so, as you said, when you look at them, you know, the first time you look at your eyes and you're not sure what you're looking at, you may see a couple of things that you say, oh, that looks like a baby, or that looks like an older man, or wow, there's a king. I can see a king with a crown on his head, just as clear as if I was looking at a photograph. Everybody's images are a little bit different. 
But the thing is, each time you look at your eyes, it's as if you see different images. One day you'll be looking at your eyes and you see a baby, let's say at 11 o'clock. And then in two weeks, you look again and, and you're thinking, where'd the baby go? Where is that baby? And you can't find it. But now you see a woman with a pinafore dress on. And it's as if the energy of that ancestor is the one that's kind of drawing to you. And so Mm. your eyes kind of seem to catch that image. Okay. Now, can you explain for my listeners? So when you see the image, what is supposed to happen? Like I see the baby, but now what? What does that baby mean? (laughs) That is the $64,000 question, right? Right. That is is the question. But I mean, is it more that the person has an aha moment just by you showing them the baby? Or is there also some channeled information that you bring in as well through the ancestral eye reading? There's a little bit of both. So for example, let's say that there is quite often there will be an infant or or child at 11 o'clock and one o'clock. So the eyes are like a book, like a book that closes. So what's on the outside of one eye, like your right eye towards your ear is what's on the outside of your left eye out towards your ear and what's on the inside mirrors, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what's at three o'clock in one eye is at nine o'clock in the other. So just outside of 12 o'clock on each eye is the area of altruism. Altruism is where we have ancestors who gave something and maybe it caused a great distress or trauma, or maybe it just wasn't appreciated and it was kind of a family battle. But oftentimes what you'll find in the area of altruism is where there have been ancestors who had to place a child for adoption or rehoming. Mm. So it's that ultimate act of giving without thought to self. They give their child a way to have a better home, knowing the child will never know how they suffered for giving the child away. The child may grow up feeling resentful about it, right, in a different house, in a different place. But altruism is where ancestors have perhaps had a trauma over giving something. So have you ever um, done like a roommate's laundry and it all came out purple or a size two? (laughs) You shrunk you shrunk your best friend's sweater right. or you offered to do the dishes for your mom that she didn't ask you to do and you drop her favorite glass and it breaks. Mm-hmm. Those are things that will show up in altruism where we've done something that we weren't asked to do and it just went wrong. Hmm. So when you, sometimes when you see a baby in altruism, you'll discover you have an ancestor who had to place a child for adoption. And typically what's in that top layer of the eyes is what has occurred in the last two to four generations between our grandparents and our grandparents' grandparents' time. And so how many um, images can you possibly see? Everybody has images. I'll tell people there's between 20 to 200 images in the eyes, but I've read eyes where there's a thousand images in each eye. They might be just tiny, tiny, tiny. And people that have that many images, it's almost as if they have an entire crowd of people who were involved in a ancestral pattern. So mentioning Holocaust victims would be a, a good example where there were many, many people all going through a challenge with escape. Any place that we would yell or want to yell, let me up, let me go, let me out. Any place where we felt trapped. And again, with using a macro lens or using a magnifier, you get down in there and you'll look at a space that's maybe an inch and a half, and there's a hundred images in there. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh my gosh, where do I even start with this eye? Where do I start telling this person or sharing with this person what's maybe meant to be known by them or what information is most valuable to them at this time? Hmm. So you have to choose. You do a little bit, but also <laughs> it isn't like you can cut and paste an eye reading. Right. It isn't that one mark tells everything. There's so many pieces together. So when I mentioned the baby placed for adoption, that person also oftentimes will have a marking in the area that's kind of known for a direct run-in with the church. Mm. Um, and when I say church, it doesn't necessarily mean church, but the cultural ideals of the time, right. the kind of everybody knows or what would they say? But this direct run-in is where someone said to your ancestor, you, 
you can't marry that man. You can't keep that child. You can't wear that dress. You can't wear that lipstick. You know, it's where there was like an accusation kind of thing. And right. when that is there and there's an infant up there in altruism, oftentimes it's where a child was, was rehomed because of the cultural ideals of the time. So crazy. And so you had also mentioned to me is that ancestors will fight to be seen in the eye as well. So you were mentioning in the opening about how the pupil will increase and decrease. Yes. So with that, the iris, the colored part of the eye, will get either wider or narrower. And so the markings in the eye will get wider or narrower. And so when I'm behind the camera and taking that photo, I will see images getting bigger, smaller, bigger, smaller. But sometimes it's almost as if, as you said, one is fighting for the energy. It's like you're taking that picture and there's a, a man with a, like a, a newspaper man's hat. And it's like, he's just yelling, me, me. Like he just really <laughs> yeah. wants to make sure you're either talking about him or you're getting him in the picture. And maybe you were just talking about a child and you're like, wait your turn, wait your turn. I'll get to you. Just hang on. So there's a very much an energetic quality while you're doing the reading. And I think that energy is very much about if there's something the client is meant to know, mm. or if there's something going on in their life that strongly relates to a particular image in their eye. So if they're having a feeling of being trapped in a job where their employers may be abusive, then maybe the ancestor who had a job where their employer was abusive might be the one whose energy is kind of in the forefront in that moment. And that's why each time you look at your eyes, you may notice different things. Different things will just be more apparent to you. And so after you discover this information, in, a, in an essence, it's, it's healing, right? Yes, very much so. I, I like to call it resolving because... You know, in iridology, they work in health and healing. And for me, resolving is, you know how you can hear one person saying, you never listen to me. And they're just furious. They're mad. They're screaming. And then the next person will say something like, oh, you never listen to me anyway. So I'm just going to leave you a note. And, and they're not upset. They're just saying, you know, it's okay. You don't listen to me and that's all right. I'm just going to write you a note. That's when you know if an ancestral pattern has been resolved or not. Mm. When it hits our triggers, it's telling us danger, danger. This was a problem for our ancestors. Is this still a problem for us now? Hmm. So I can't imagine all of the images you've been seeing in your eye readings during COVID. Um, <laughs> but tell us a little more about that. Yes, COVID's got some special nuances. So yes, I have seen a few images with masks that I swear I never saw an image with a mask before 2020. Hmm. <laughs> it's not it's not every time, but there are definitely images with masks. And I think, well, is that a doctor just delivering a baby? Or are we looking at something from Spanish flu, 1917, 1918? But another thing that is really a, um, a key for me is oftentimes we'll look at the parents' experience of their pregnancy with their child. And so during COVID, um, I know in these upcoming years, we're going to be seeing more markings in that area as people have been afraid of going into clinics and afraid of maybe being in a delivery room or having a baby during COVID. Wow. <laughs> now, are the images that we're seeing only related to our past or can they also be related to our future? I believe we're really seeing the entire genesis of each individual. So we can see the past, the future, the present. I've certainly had enough people pull out images of, of someone who's maybe um, transitioned during their lifetime, a spouse, a, um, a boyfriend or girlfriend, a child. I truly believe you can also see the future. The challenge can be you know, you're asking the client or the client's asking you, well, who's that image, right? Who is that baby, right? And who is that man? And if they don't recognize them, which most Americans would not, because we're not that, um, many of us don't know that much of our ancestral history after we get back four or six generations. There's oftentimes not pictures. There's not, you know, a way of knowing who those 
people were. But it's something that I have not gone into reading forward. But later this year, I'm working with a gal who is a master at Akashic Records, and we're looking at creating the Akashic Eye Map. Oh, wow. (laughs) That'll be pretty cool. It will be amazing. You know, the best way to explain it is it's like looking at a DVD. So when you take a DVD, if you put it in a CD player, it won't play. Right. Right. It has to go in a DVD player. It has to have the right decoder. And so, you know, you put an iridology map into an iridology player. Right. You put a an ancestral eye reading map into into its player. And it's as if each of those images has a little vignette. Hmm. Right. On the cover of the DVD, you see Love Actually, you see Liam Neeson, you see Dolby Stound, you see what's printed on there, but inside is the full movie. And then within the movie are the little vignettes of each of the characters and who they were and what was happening you know, within that DVD. And so that's probably the cleanest explanation of the irises and what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So impressive. <laughs> well, with that, I'm going to stop you there because we're going to take a quick break. But stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny up next and learn how attractiveness is linked to the health of your immune system. On this Weekly Skinny, according to recent research conducted by Texas Christian University, there is a connection between immune function and facial attractiveness. Researchers wondered why some people were considered less or more attractive than others. And while we all do not define attractiveness in the same way, many of the same attributes of beauty have remained constant throughout our history, which led researchers to speculate that the reason likely had evolutionary roots. They further theorized that people who seem attractive to others may be better reproductive partners because they are healthier than average. In order to test their theory, They collected data using 79 women and 80 men. They photographed these women and men from the neck up with a neutral facial expression. They then asked 492 volunteers to rate the level of attractiveness of the opposite gender in an online survey. Key blood tests were also run to measure immune function response because according to researchers, the gold standard for measuring key aspects of immune function in peripheral blood includes phagocytosis, cell lysis, and proliferation. Phagocytosis is the process by which our white blood cells eat and destroy bacteria before it can make us sick. Results showed that attractive participants had higher rates of phagocytosis and lower plasma bacterial growth, indicating that attractiveness may be related to antibacterial immunity, as well as one's immunological efficiency when it came to bacterial threats. The study also found that men who were found more attractive were said to have higher functioning natural killer cells, or NKs, which are crucial for clearing the body of viral infections, while the study proved the opposite for women. Women considered more good-looking had lower levels of NK cells, and researchers say estrogen is to blame. The study published in the Royal Journal concluded that current research suggests facial attractiveness may provide insights into one's immune function. In addition, our attraction to certain facial features implies we are hardwired to seek out healthy partners and our best selection for the benefit of our offspring. Of course, further research is still being conducted, since the truth behind beauty has always seemed to stump scientists. One thing's for sure, this newfound research makes dating or marrying only attractive people seem less shallow. Peach fuzz is great, if it's on a peach. Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just tuning in, I am interviewing Amy Gillespie Doherty on the fascinating world of ancestral eye reading. So I have to ask you, Amy, so do the eyes not change, but the images do? That's a great question. So that's what led me to keep studying with the next 
method of eye reading and the next method, because originally I was told that eyes change all the time. And then when I got to my second teacher, then I learned that eyes really don't change very much. There's a few things in the eyes that'll change in the first few years. The shape of the pupil will change. The overall color is reflective. So sometimes people's eye color will change over the years or seem to change. And, um, but the brown flecks that show up in the eyes, those show up between age two and age 22. So that's one aspect that does change. But when it comes to the images, those images that are in the fibers where you can see they're really down inside that weave, they seem to be the same every time we take a photo of, of the eyes. Hmm. The images that tend to be in the moisture, that tend to be in the white part of the sclera or the, the darkness of the pupil, or even kind of sitting on top of the surface, those images can look different every time you look at your eyes. And if you re-photograph, you know, next week, next month, you may wind up with different images, especially in the sclera area, or again, those that are a little bit more in the moisture on the surface, kind of like any reflection in a mm -hmm. mirror, in the river, in a rainbow, anything reflective can change its dynamics. And so those images will be different, or at least appear to be different, which is why we take a picture so that we capture mm -hmm. the image. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So can you talk more about the locations of the image in your eye? Like you had talked about altruism. What are some other ones? So um, there's a few that are really significant. Again, part of the reason I went further in my study is the left eye typically represents the creative, the feminine, the right brain. And the right eye represents the men, the male relationships, brothers, the analytical, the uh, masculine competition areas, competitive areas. And so when I learned that eyes don't change, I was like, well, now, wait a minute. What does that mean? If you're the oldest child and you have a marking in the area of sibling trauma, well, how can that be? Because each time you get a new sibling, shouldn't your eye change? Mm -hmm. And what if one of your siblings dies? And so that's what kept pushing me through from one method to another to another until I finally got to someone who was working with grandparents, great-grandparents, and a little bit more of epigenetics. But a couple of really good examples, the left eye is your creative writing, your personal writing, spiritual writing, channeled writing, music, when you go to the right eye, it's technical writing, business, but the right eye is also identity and things that are more like legal papers, right? Signature agreements. And so sometimes people will have a marking just outside of six o'clock in the right eye. And that's where their ancestors had a challenge with something they signed, mm. a signature agreement. So in our world, you know, we don't have to sign confessions anymore, like in 1400s England, right? right. <laughs> but we sign credit cards and we sign checks all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So if you ever find yourself signing something and then getting to your car, realizing you grabbed the wrong credit card or the wrong checkbook, or you forgot about a check you just wrote and you're like, oh no, <laughs> why didn't I wait? <laughs> right. Shoot. That yeah. is that, that spot in the right eye. Huh. The left eye is more where someone has gotten into your personal papers. Have you ever sent a text to the wrong person? Oh yeah. did like, Oh, no, 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 no. That's the left eye. That's where a love letter wound up in the hands of a spouse instead of a lover. That's where it was more personal papers that caused some trauma. There's also um, the left eye represents some challenges with the matriarch. So if you've ever said, no matter what I do, it's not good enough for that woman, then your ancestors have markings. I could tell you right now 330 left eye we're going to be seeing it right there so it's gotten to the point where if i'm talking this and just listening to their story i could just all right we're going to take a quick break the passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space compassion and especially someone who works across the veil Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings 
providing you with the closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R.com. I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations, and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships. And we're Tom and Stacey Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST, 1150 KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us. We look forward to connecting with you soon. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. So today I'm interviewing Amy Gillespie Doherty on the fascinating world of ancestral eye reading. So Amy, can you wrap up on the the location of the images in our eyes? Sure. So um, oftentimes people will um, have a marking that's just at for women um, if they've had challenges with a female employer, mom, supervisor that matriarch-type figure, it'll show up at 3.30 in their left eye. I could actually just start drawing someone's eyes as they're telling me stories <laughs> about what's going on in their life. That's so interesting. And it'll show up in your world. It'll show up as, no matter what I do, it's not good enough for that woman. Mm. Um, and then when you go to the right eye, it's, it's the patriarch figure. And mm. for our ancestors, that might have been a king or a nobleman, but in our world, it'll show up as, no matter what I do, it's not good enough for that man. So the dynamic changes is what you're saying, right? As far as from our ancestors exactly. to us. Okay, that's so interesting. The interpretation. Yeah, yeah the interpretation. Exactly. Okay. So, and how do colors play into the eye readings? So I used to think the color didn't really have a big, um, uh, a big emphasis in the eyes, but there are some colors that are quite distinctive. So the rich dark brown is what we call the tribal texture. And these are people who are fantastic at nonverbal communication. They're fantastic at, at moving as one, you know, without talking. There's, they're almost like an aspen forest, interconnected under the soil. So we don't really see the connection, but they can all move as one. When you look at an aspen forest of 40 acres of trees, it's actually one tree. Hmm. Um, and when we look at the blue eyes, blues and greens, were primarily from the Greenland, Iceland area, and they really only showed up on our planet about 10,000 years ago. So there's a real big hmm about <laughs> where did these blue and green eyes come from. Absolutely. The gold, the gold eyes, especially if the eyes don't look gold when you're talking to the person, but when you take their photo, there's gold in there. And some people just flat have gold eyes. It ties to some old esoteric training world, whether that goes back through Egypt, back to Atlantean times or, or further back, it definitely ties to a long-ago, highly-trained esoteric culture. Hmm. Um, it's a very distinctive eye color. So I had the wonderful opportunity of having an ancestral eye reading with you, and you had talked to me about having ancestral postage stamps. Can you explain more about those, and are they quite common? So they're not so common, and they're really great when I see them. When we see an ancestral postage stamp, what you're looking at is a, is a larger, dark spot in the eye. It can be black. It can be very dark brown. It's typically a bit symmetrical, like a square or a rectangle. And especially the closer it is to the sclera, to the very outer part of the colored part of the eye, 
that's what we call an ancestral postage stamp. And what it is, is a pattern that's nearly healed. So, for example, let's say you have a marking in your eye in the area of not being heard, not being listened to. And in the left eye, that typically has more to do with not being listened to either as a woman or from an intuitive place or about things that are spiritual or creative. And when you see an ancestral postage stamp there, you know, women are in a much different position in the career world, in the relationship world, than where our ancestors were, say, in the 1600s, right? And so that ancestral postage stamp is where a pattern is pretty much done. Hmm. It's like if it just doesn't get engaged with a whole bunch of energy one more time, it's on its way out. And so it's always a wonderful um, healing mark. And oftentimes when you look at it really close with the macro lens or with the magnification, you'll see there may be like five different images in there. Yeah. And you saw a heart in my eye. (laughs) You did. You had a couple of hearts in your eyes. Um, It's just one of those things that can show up. One of my favorite heart stories was in um, Myrtle Beach. I had a gal who she came in and she said, I just feel like I'm supposed to get an eye reading. She said, I just, I don't know what it is. I think I'm supposed to come and do this. And, um, and so I took her picture and right in the area of, of siblings with brothers in her right eye, there was a heart, big heart. And she said, oh, she said, I just lost my brother in February. Oh. And she said, I know that that's, that that's him. Oh. And, um, and we all, you know, we're kind of a little teary-eyed. <laughs> well, about, I don't know, maybe two hours later, you know, some clients were coming up, and I happened to tell this story to a woman, and she said, well, you know, I, I hate men. <laughs> I said, well, you must not hate them. You've got a, you've got a brown heart right here in the area <laughs> of, um, of men. And, and she said, oh, she said, that's, that's my baby brother. He died when he was just one year old. Oh. And, you know, and, and she was all teary and now, you know, this was their interpretation, and and absolutely, right? If, yeah. that's, if that's the first thing that comes into their mind and heart when they see an image, then by all means, that's a connection that, that they have, and I trust that. And their message for them. So I love how you addressed mm-hmm. reflections in my reading, telling me that images can still show up in those reflections that might be in our eye when, you know, we have an eye reading. Can you talk more about that? Mm-hmm. Sure. So we've talked about that there's, there's images of people, that we can see babies or an older person or whatever. But um, as in your eyes, there was a house there. Yes. Now, I read a gal's eyes. She was probably, I'm going to say she was in her later 40s, and she had some building images in her eyes. Well, at some point, she showed her eye photos to her mom, and her mom said, oh, my gosh, we didn't have pictures of our house in Guam. Where did you find these pictures? And so um, it can be a number of energetic things that just seem to show up in our eyes. (laughs) Is it what some people might call ghosting? Are we looking for ghosts in the eyes? Possibly. Is it a blip in time, right? Is it like a time machine when we start looking into our eyes and those images show up? Mm-hmm. That's been my experience with deep journaling and deep meditation is that you can connect with that image and just catch a moment of what their experience in their life was like. So but can, I've also seen symbols, runestones, yeah. initials, hmm. um, animals, totem animals. So interesting. So can you walk my listeners through a typical eye reading? Sure. So with the typical eye reading, what I start with is what was here when you were first born? As we said, not too many things change in the eyes, but your personality structures, your motivators, your energetic pattern, all those things are there in the structures of your eyes, and they've been there since you very first were born. So some people have achievement rings. Those people who are constantly saying, I have to, I need to, I'm supposed to, I should, I've got to do this, I ought to do that. And that was there when they were born. The eyes come out full size. Then I go through changes. The pupil will show any high trauma changes up to age two or three. And then we start taking a look at the images, where they're at, what kinds of situations may be coming up in their life that are causing challenges, uh, as well as looking at, you know, here's this woman, here's this person who's dressed in athletic clothing, doing the trapeze, doing... Um, I've seen someone delivering a baby, 
there's been just all kinds of images. Hmm. At um, one show recently, I this gal had a number of people in kind of trapeze stage performance, athletic performance type clothing, the white leotards. And I said, oh, I said, who's the slackliner in the family? And she said, oh, my gosh, it's my grandpa. She said he kept a journal of his sit-ups, push-ups, exercises every day of his life. It was like seven inches thick. It was like this giant binder of every push-up he ever did. That's crazy. And so now you have information on your website, right, as far as how we can take the best eye photo. And there's also an eye quiz. Is that right? Yes. So on my um, on my website, eugenics.com, there is an eye quiz where even if you don't have photos of your eyes, you can have somebody take a look or you can look in the mirror. And it's like eight simple questions. And it'll give you a six-page free handout of what's your intuitive type. What were you loaded up with for your intuitive gifts? Some people are really intuitive. Some people are psychic. Some people have a little more paranormal essence. And so they can take the quiz. There's also a gallery in there of different images that we've taken photos of in eyes. And they can book a reading there. And coming up either this month or next, I'm working on an iReading app where people will be able to do their photos with their phone and start kind of reading some of the images about their eyes. I'm hoping to have that done during April. That's so fascinating. And you already, like you said earlier, when you meet someone, you already can draw the eye structure based on some of the qualities or characteristics or things they're going through. Is that correct? Yeah. Even I mean, if I'm talking to someone on the phone that I've never met, just listening to their stories, I could say, oh, we're going to see that at 3.30 in your left <laughs> eye. When I work at a show, if I have to spell somebody's name three times or their email three times, 12 o'clock right eye. Your ancestors had an issue with identity. They had an issue with somebody getting their name wrong. That was in my eyes. And that happens all the time. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Now, can you tell us more about your amazing book series and also the chapter you wrote in The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing, Volume 4, about our eyes and utero? So my first book with Brave Healer Productions was um, Chapter 6 in The Ultimate Guide to Self-Healing, Volume 4. And the parents' experience of the pregnancy with a child shows up in their eyes. So the mom shows up. Mom's experience of a pregnancy with you would show up in your eye at about 5.30. Dad's experience would show up in your eye at about 5.30, or excuse me, at 7.30, outside of, of um, outside 6 o'clock on each eye. And so, like, you can look at someone's eye and you can see, oh, they found out they were pregnant at four weeks. Or what happens a lot of times, especially with military babies or, or conceptions, is there will be a fear from the very beginning. And it's where maybe dad's about to go on active duty and he's thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope we're not pregnant. I hope, we're, you know, don't get pregnant right now. I'm on, I'm on active duty. This isn't a good time, right? And so those things will imprint in the eyes. And so they give us a wonderful, wonderful treasure map to work with our children, especially if they're having trouble hearing I love you or having trouble with self-esteem, to walk them through, here's the rest of the story. You know, mm-hmm. here's part of you know, why you maybe feel unwanted, but you were always wanted. And that's something I'm, you know, really looking at with babies born during COVID or pregnancies that happened during COVID when people were a little bit afraid of having children. Right. Or right. Of being in hospitals and clinics and, and the doctor's appointments. And what about my baby? What if my baby gets COVID? What if I get COVID while I'm pregnant? Mm. Um, yeah, and so your and whole yeah. book series is about ancestors. What's the draw for you, aside from the eye readings that you do? Well, my, my tagline is, your ancestors have waited your whole life for this moment, and you're next. <laughs> and so there's four books in the series, from repeat patterns to gifts to how we celebrate ancestors to how we find them, and certainly how to connect with them. And so it's my goal to change our experience of how we experience our ancestors, because they're with us, mm-hmm. and they do support us. And there is a whole beautiful backdrop so many people have maybe had a poor experience with a grandparent or some family story or some family feud. But the bottom line is we have ancestors back for thousands of years and we have thousands of ancestors. Every one of us had ancestors on this planet when the pyramids went up. Hmm. Where were they? What were they doing? Right. You know, these are some of the access points we can work our way through in the eyes and you know, just start imagining more, but also recognizing 
we're related, related to far more people than what we realize we are. We're different <laughs> nationalities than what we think we are. Yeah. You know, people discover all kinds of things doing DNA tests or oh, yeah. doing genealogy research. But once you connect with your ancestors, doors just start swinging open all over the place. So why would you recommend anyone listening to the show get an ancestral eye reading? It's just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> it's, I mean, you have to agree. It, it's a pretty darn unique, cool experience. <laughs> but it is also an access point to your ancestors. It's an access point to the rest of your story. It's an access point to things you maybe never understood. I read eyes for a lady who had some markings in her eye, in her father's eye for the experience of the pregnancy. And I asked her, I said, do you know what, what happened at about nine or ten weeks of, of, of your pregnancy? And she went home and asked her mom. And I, I always tell people, be a little bit careful about this. Mm. But she went home and asked her mom, and her father had wanted her to abort the baby. And her whole life she'd been, like, buddies with her dad. She'd never been that close with him. And she said she was, for the first time, able to understand their relationship on a whole new level. And they became very, very close. And this was all within a year of when he passed. Wow. So she was able to embrace her father in a way she had never been able to her whole life before he transitioned. And that's just one of a million things that can come up after an ancestral eye reading. You can't really know what healing is taking place um, at the time of the reading, but I've had people discover missing family members. Mm. I've had people find out about siblings they didn't know they had. Um... And some people, especially when I work with kids, they really can turn on their gifts and talents in a whole new way that is really exciting. Some of my very favorite readings have been when I've worked with teens, um, young teens going into clear time (laughs) where they've just turned their life around after having an eye reading. That's so great. Well, how can my listeners book a session with you or learn more? So best bet is my website, aerogenics.com. Pretty much everything is there. I also have a YouTube channel, Aerogenics, and we have a, a short video there of how to take an awesome eye photo. I'll just tell your readers now, it's not an awesome video. <laughs> we it's were fun, though. When we did it. But <laughs> it's a little dark. We, we have mood lighting in our house. Yeah. But it does give you great instructions on how to get that eye photo, and that's all I need in order to read. And um, they can book a reading uploading their own photos through the Aerogenics website. Terrific. And I watch for the the app. I'll have it up on there when I've got the app up and running. I'm excited for that. Well, thank you again for being here today, Amy. Thank you so much for having me today. It's been a pleasure to share Ancestral Eye Reading with your audience. You're welcome. And thank you to Eric, my stellar producer, you the listener, KKNW, KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. And tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Go Beyond the Veil with my co-host Rory Reich as we explore dreams with Michael Sheridan. Stay kind out there, stay true to you, and don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead, I dare ya. The Veil is a line between physical and non-physical realities, between spirit and matter. Listen in to Go Beyond the Veil every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this jam-packed radio hour, hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil and assisting others on their journey of healing and self-discovery. They will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but also to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering this resource where science meets spirituality that you too can finally put your skepticism to rest once and for all. So join them as they go beyond the veil.